Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Hello and welcome to the Films and Swear Movie Podcast, episode 167. Uh, is your host Stuart Sutherland and sitting across the room is Magic Michael Christie. Uh-huh. And you guys are listening to... Hang on, I told you what episode it was. Yeah, eh? yeah. it jumped the gun on that one. Aye, it's the, the Films and Sweary Movie Podcast where they like to talk about films and swear at the same time. We record straight out of five Scotland. You said like it's a fucking good thing, eh? It really is, not it? I'm just getting like a wee bit of locality to it. Is it alright? Okay. So this is how they sound. Oh, at least, at least you've not said we're about in Fife. Aye. Recording after the corner of Street. That was a white noise, that bit. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, fuck, how many corners have they got? Let's try the doors. <laughs> so, yes, uh, you guys are... You guys... For a second, I didn't want to cry, you cunts. Ah, fuck it, let's go with you cunts. Alright, you cunts have tuned into the second instalment of our Martin Scorsese season. We're now knee-deep in the 80s. Today we're going to be covering The King of Comedy and After Hours. Before all that, we'll have a wee look at what else Big Marty did in the 80s. Mm-hmm, quite done. Yeah. He done a few. Aye. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four... With six films. Hang on, I can all I really remember. Raging Bull. 1980. Comedy, 82. And After Hours. 85. That's the only ones that I really... Like, I forgot that he done... Uh, what's the one that was Paul Newman? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the Colour of Money. Yeah, I forgot he done that one. Mm-hmm. And I forgot he done... Last Temptation of Christ. Where he won the foe. Yeah. I didn't care that was well on the foe. Until I was looking up the cast earlier. How um, did you not know that that was him on the fucking cover? Because he's got his fucking his head down. He's got... Like, I, I could look at the cover and say, well, that's Jesus. I didn't even look hard enough to go, fuck, it's Defoe. Uh, yeah. I've never, ever seen a fucking frame of that film. No. Not a picture. No. Didn't get any kind of was in it. And any kind that I knew. Until I clicked on IMDb the night and saw Willem Defoe, Harvey Keitel, a bunch of other cunts. Victor Argo. Uh, I've got Paul Greco, but I'd imagine Argo's probably in there somewhere. Yeah. He seemed to be like one of Scorsese's cronies. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other ones he did in 1989 was New York Stories, which is sort of like three directors direct three stories about New York. We've got, uh, I don't know who done which, We've got Woody Allen, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, and Martin Scorsese. Uh, three stories are a middle-aged artist is obsessed with his pretty young assistant. That might be Woody's. Yeah. <laughs> pretty young assistants. Um, then we've got a 12-year-old living in a hotel. Wait, that might be Woody's. 
Sorry. Kim Spacey. I don't think he's in it, nah. Uh, Talia Shire, maybe. I think she's in this film. We've got a neurotic lawyer with a possessive mother make up... Oh, no, that's it. I was going to say, a neurotic lawyer and his possessive mother make up the three Gotham tales. This is what they're considered. The the spoiled 12-year-old in a hotel, the middle-aged artist obsessed with his assistant. So, and... Aye, they can... I'm assuming that was one of his lesser-known films. So it seems like a pet project between them three. I wonder, are they getting what the availability of that's like? Probably harder than what it was getting a hold of after hours. Yeah, I mean, if it's a Martin Scorsese film that hasn't got Robert De Niro in it, it might be a wee bit difficult to find it nowadays. Yeah. That's that's what it appears to be. Because, like, three, three, copy, three streams I tried of... After I was on code, they gave me three copies of Diana Boyle's 127 Hours. I, I like the kind where these boys get that connection. After Hours, 127 Hours. Ah, there's a word. Yeah, but it was the same it. when I was trying to get three billboards last week. Yeah, and you got... And they kept on giving me the Jack Nicholson Western for the like, 60s or something. Mm. Ah, that'll do. This is what all these clearly talking about. And then when I tried to watch The Disaster Artist, the first one they gave me was that French film, The Artist. I mean, why not just show The Room? Yeah, I know, I probably would have just watched that then. You would just been watching that? Wait a minute. This man, Franco does look like Tommy Wiseau. Jesus. <sighs> Cock sucking all. Oy. Um, Do we talk about Raging Bill? Ah, because that was probably... Biggest, yes, film in the eighties, and most likely the the one that Ockham has seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I've only ever seen it all the way through once. Right, but it was a while ago, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of still sketching. I still know that Joe Pesci's in it. Kathy yep. Murray, is it Moriarty? You pronounce the name? She plays De Niro's wife. Maybe I can't quite remember who we are to the cross film. I just remember two things about the film. I De Niro's fluctu- like weight fluctuating. Wait, I, yeah. And the fact that all the memories or home videos in that movie were filmed and shown in colour. Whereas obviously the film is all in black and white. Yeah. I always remember the very fucking graphic fight he has. Those blood spurts are quite I, quite summon. And like the way he fucking like slaps about his wife. Aye, I remember yeah. somebody going through a fucking door, like a plate glass door yeah. frame. I'm not sure if it was maybe Joe Pesci getting put on his arse yeah. or him putting his wife through it. Mm. But what was the name of the boxer he was portraying? Was it Jake? Uh, Jake Lamotta. Jake Lamotta, who I think the the real Jake Lamotta died last year. I vaguely remember. Aye, died. No that made the news. Because also the opening, I always remember the opening scene of the film is De Niro like playing Lamotta older. Aye. Like, when he's kind of retired for boxing and he's got like his aim, is it like a restaurant he had or something? Or? And he's doing stand-up. Aye. Aye. And he's looking really, like really big and all that. Retound. Yep. And that is, it's a good film. Yeah. It's, and it's one of those ones, I think you forget how good it is until you watch it again. 
Yeah. Which is, is sort of like a big thing with like sort of Scorsese's films. Yeah. Like the same goes for like when we done Casino. Yeah. That was one where I was like, it's good, and then we watch like fuck, this this is actually really good. This is like everyone, nobody, there's no weak links in the chain Aye. at all. All these fucking. I still think James Wood stole that phone. What the, the fucking the way Don Rickles took that phone? <laughs> that was. <laughs> that was method, son. Uh, <laughs> he probably lay there for about an hour after it, just hoping fucking his jewel gone. He's just standing beside him, going ring, ring, Don, ring, ring. Ah, uh, the was good. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get on with. It. I'll, I'll go first since my movie is the older of the two. I go then. Uh, King of Comedy from nineteen eighty-two. Obviously, director Martin Scorsese. Film stars Robert De Niro as Rupert Pupkin, Jerry Lewis as Jerry Langford, Diana Abbott as Rita Keane, and Sandra Bernhard as Masha. Who's Masha again? I can't. I, I watched it from last summer too, but I can't uh, Masha is is the, the female lead. Uh, Rita is the chick that works in the bar. Oh, aye. Aye. Um, Plot is aspiring comic Rupert Pupkin attempts to achieve success in show business by stalking his idol, late night talk show host uh, who craves his own privacy. And I know this isn't our first time watch for you because you've rambled on about this film for quite a good few years now. Yes, I am. This is probably my fourth, third or fourth viewing of it. I feel I have watched it good few times before and it was just by it wasn't like I went out my way to find it I'm pretty sure it was like just filler and like a Robert De Niro box set I'd gotten yeah. at one point when I was just really trying to go through a lot of his films that was in there and it was just one of those things you watch and you're just so fucking surprised that like this is a fucking brilliant film how have I never fucking heard of this film yeah. how does no one know about this fucking film because you say it, like Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, and you could rattle five fucking different examples before yeah. you get to King of Comedy. And it's not a gangster film. Aye. He, he looks like a fucking dork. It's like <laughs> a, a easiest way. To, and all that, yeah. Aye. And his wee cheap suits with fluffy hair and like that little half mustache. And he is. He's, he's just like this little nerd who's really wanting to to make it big in comedy and yeah. gets a fucking door in when he manages to save his idol from being mauled by fucking mad fans and that fucking uh, Sandra, well, uh, Masha, when yeah. she, I guess, I wonder if this like is like the image of how popular late night talk show hosts were in the 80s. Like, where the the fucking back entrances just covered in mad fans hounding them for autographs. Aye. And just the mad fucking stalkers that follow them. Yeah. I guess that could be really applied to anything. Like, to any mm. stardom. Like, it could be any any celebrities. Fucking, yeah. You're always going to have that select group of folk that's just going to be waiting at the doors for a chance to get a fucking yeah. nowadays it'd just be a chance to get a fucking selfie with a person uh, rather than their fucking autograph but uh, selfie or a retweet nowadays aye 
but fuck, this is, I do really fucking love this film. There's, it's just, it's something different. It's seen De Niro do something so fucking different. It's, it's really, I'm trying to say, is it him doing comedy? But it's, it's, it's kind of like, he's, he's trying to be funny in a stand-up sense, but it's... Yeah, but it's kind of like serious because like he's, like the way he's polite, about, persistent, uh, yeah. he's got an answer for everything, and he's overly polite. Uh, and it's it's a nerve in it. It's 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 like a a friendly American psycho. Cause he is, he's a fucking psychopath, but he's not got any fucking tools to uh, he's not kicking about with the fucking axe and the fucking raincoat on yeah. to Hugh Lewis in the news. He's He's not killing any cunt, but he just really wants them to listen to his... He really wants Jerry to listen to his stuff. Aye. And saying it right, I'm I'm really blowing up Robert De Niro here, but everyone's fucking perfect in this film. Aye. Like, Jerry Lewis does a fucking brilliant job. I thought Jerry Lewis was quite good now. Like, I've only watched it once, and that was when I watched it. Just after he died. Aye, because we had to be the wee sound clip. Aye. And that's it. He does that... That scene uh, amongst some others, he fucking knocks out the park. I think my f- favourite bit in that film was when they go to his house. The guest house. Yeah. Uh, he just shows up. That is, is I've listed that as one of like, his key scenes because he's fuming. Like, you've got fucking Rupert and Rita show up to this supposed party that they've supposedly been invited to. And Rita doesn't get any better. Yeah. And you've got the fucking, this poor, poor Chinese boy on the door who doesn't understand. They're like, why are you here? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I think Jerry's playing golf. Who are you? We're not expecting anyone. Why are you here? <laughs> and Jerry's there and he's just fucking brooding. He's got the club in his hand and he's just like, his arms are folded and he's just staring at him like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh. Who, what the fuck? Why are you upstairs? Why, why you're drinking my whiskey here? And, there's the one shot of Rita fucking pinching something for his hoose that uh, I noticed they never go back on. Uh, like, I noticed that as well. I noticed, like, you're a bit of a wee tea leaf. What's going on here, cheeky cow? But she just nicks it and it's never brought up again because yeah. she kind of comes across as... Well, it's a lassie that works in a bar, but fucking Rupert's besotted by her. He just loves her. He wants to take her. Let, he obviously really fancies her and just wants yeah. to impress her. And what perfect ways I'll take you to Jerry's house for the weekend we'll do this we'll do that we're best pals and it's just this this he's cuckoo ah uh, so when he has a totally imaginary conversation with him yes and you're right because that's it a lot of this film is is a mixture it's dream sequences mm-hmm. and it's just all these fucking things playing in like Rupert Pupkin's head like that scene where they've had their first meeting and like talking the car, he gives him this right. We'll arrange a meeting. Come to my office. It's fine. Cut to what looks like the next day, and Jerry's like, "I don't think I could do the, the Tonight Show anymore." Rupert, I know, I know your material's strong, but could you take over for six weeks? And Rupert's like, "Oh, come on, Jerry, you're asking a lot of me," <laughs> and you're like, "What the fuck? This is this is escalated quick," and you realise it's just this boy's daydreams. Yeah. Same with um. Where he's already on the show and he's talking to Jerry, Aye. and it's like a school teacher shows up and it's, oh no, I'm, I do weddings now. 
and all of a sudden, like, now it's time to marry. The king of comedy is ready to marry his queen, Rita. It's the last for the bar and the wedding gown. It's like, and there's another fucking dream sequence. But, oh, there's a third one. Let's see. Yes, the one that we mentioned, the clip, uh, where he hands the tape in to, like, Mrs. Long, like, the assistant. Uh, and it cuts to Jerry sitting with the tape in his hands, like, I don't know how you've done it. I do not have, know how you do it. Like, you're, this is amazing. This is the best stuff put on tape. And fucking, he's all blushing. Like, what about the first couple punchlines? It's like, is it, is it good? Is it a bit much? Like, like good. They're brilliant. I wouldn't change it. Like, don't be silly, you dappy bastards. <laughs> There's this great bit where he's got his hands on his shoulders. And it's like, Rupert, Rupert. And he's starts fucking choking him uh. and shaking his head back and forward. And he's literally just choking this boy. Just, it's like, you're brilliant, you bastard. And he's just fucking just like, I can't believe you're this fucking talented. How? How? Go and tell me. And it is, it's just all false. It's just not uh, real. It's just what like what he's expecting. He's handed to you, I'll yeah. be in there tomorrow and they'll know believe how amazing it is. The other um, bit that I remember was the, when we were talking about Jerry Lewis's when he died in it, and it was a clip you played where he was like walking down the street. Oh, and the woman With on the payphone. Aye. aye, it is. It's, and I think in the trivia they're saying a lot of it. Some of the, the story was kind of sprinkled with some of Jerry Lewis's own experiences with his own fandom of having to walk out on the street and having builders catcalling him and women trying to get autographs, getting them to fucking speak to folk on the phone. But that woman's reaction, like... Oh, I'll go and talk to my nephew. Oh, I'm sorry, I've not got time. You should only get cancer. <laughs> and it's like, whoa. <laughs> and this woman, like two seconds ago, was like, I loved your work. I followed you from this, that. Could you sign this book? Cool. Could you talk to my son? He's ill. No, fuck you. You piece of shit. I hope you fucking die. It's like, oh yeah, I can't. This is just fucking... But it's, it's mental. I think, let's talk about fucking... That scene in the guest house with Jerry and Rupert is the tipping point. That's like bang in the middle of this film. This film runs for about an hour 50, an hour 45 minutes. Yeah. And it's bang in the middle when uh, Rupert shows up at the guest house and Jerry tells him to get the fuck. It's where the tone shifts. Like, yeah. We get the nice Rupert, happy. He's really keen. He's got like shake hands. He's got an answer for everything. And it's not until Jerry says, I told you, let's have a meet just to get rid of you because you're a fucking weirdo. And now he's like, okay, I see how it is. I'm going to work 50 times harder. I'm going to be 50 times more successful than you. And Jerry's like, well, you're going to have to deal with fucking weirdos like you then a lot more than I will. And it's just cuts down. It's like the fucking next shot where they're sitting in the car. He's got the gun. He's got the fucking big fucking sunglasses on and the fucking Hawaiian shirt. Honestly, part of me is like, that's a fancy dress costume in the future. Like, I'm gonna get a big fucking pair of sunglasses and a Hawaiian shirt with a hat on, go a bit of a mustache and see it all can't go. Fear and loving in Las Vegas? Like, oh, King of Comedy. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm gonna have to carry the DVD in my pocket to fucking explain it to fuck. Uh. But it's when he's teamed up with uh, Masha. Oh, and it's been the. They're both in the car. She's wearing the big fucking sunglasses as well. And they've got that gun. Where it's just like a fucking pellet gun or something. Aye. But it's 
like I think her strongest scene is when she's having her dinner with Jerry, where he's fucking taped to the chair, like almost fucking head to toe in gaffer tape. Uh. It's almost like it's up to his fucking nose, and he just <laughs> yes, he just strapped to the chair, like fucking half a dozen rolls were used on him, and she's just like. She's knitting them jumpers. She's fucking... What was it where she's talking about the crystal wear? Saying, oh, yes, it's brilliant. Don't you like the glasses? No, don't like them? Launches it. It's like, I, I like to do crazy stuff. Don't you want to be crazy? Don't you just... And she's so erratic. Like, she's just fucking screaming and shit. And she plays crazy. He's, like, brilliant. Like, she's easily... Like, you could tell she's a psycho. Mm. She's just... Like, sure, her going clawing mental at the fucking start, locked in the car was one thing, but all the times where she was trying to shove letters into Rupert's hand and give him fist foods of cash, like, pass the letters to Jerry, tell Jerry it's me. And she had got on his number at the start, and she was sitting phoning him. But, like, she was saying she'd left messages in the car for him and stuff. And that's your other, like, your proper, like, your female psycho mega uh. fan. But, is when she decides, like, I think more or less she's just going to rape him in the chair, where she just starts taking her clays off in front of him. Like, Go on, Jerry, let's get crazy. Let's do it on the table. I don't do the normal things like this. is crazy. Like, like, but I think we're here, you're here, I'm here. Fuck it, let's do it. And she just starts wiping everything off the table and Jerry's there with his mouth tape shut. Just the look on his eyes going, oh, fuck, no. No, just let me go. Denny, they listen to me. But it's when she started taking her clays off, she looks like a fucking... Which is not a nice thing to say, but she looks like a fucking 12-year-old boy. She's just like this big... I was a gangly teenager. That's not a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> but she just looks like some kind of a stranger things. Where she does, she looks like... It's weird, she doesn't look overly feminine. Yeah. She does look like a bit of a goofy teenager. Or trapped as a goofy teenager. And it's not until Jerry's like, okay... Right, we'll do it. You just have to unstrap, like, cut cut all this fucking tape off. I can't do anything. I'm tied to a chair. And he just fucking belts her and runs. <laughs> and you got that just great shot where she doesn't care. She's fucking chasing him down the street in high heels and in her fucking underwear. Just screaming, Jerry! Jerry! And he's just running for his fucking life. That is easily probably the best bit with her. Rupert, I mean, there is, it's... Uh, there's a lot of fucking brilliant scenes with him in this yeah um, but I do love it when he when you kind of get to see how little he is because when he's in his house it's as if he's like living in his mum's basement almost mm. which has been detected to look like a studio he's got his cardboard cutouts Eliza Minnelli on one side oh, I, he's I got was it Jerry on the other side and he's got his chair in the middle and it's when he's sitting doing his tape for them and it's playing like the, the Tonight Show theme and it's all of the guessing and it comes in and the comedy silence of the new king of comedy, Rupert Puckin. And it's just him introducing himself and his mum's shouting like, Jerry! Uh, Rupert, turn that down! Music's too loud! It's like, Mom! <laughs> and he's like, please! And he's just like, he is, it's like fucking Kevin and Perry. He's just like a stroppy teenager just... Like, Mom, you're talking, shut up! I'm doing my thing! It's like, I'm not telling you you can't, but just turn the volume down! And it's just, it's just so fucking funny seeing Robert De Niro do this. 
Like, uh, and the fact that he had the balls to do it, because it would make him look silly. Like, he's done. Last year, he's the raging bull. Now he's this, this fucking nerdy, socially awkward uh, fucking Rupert Pupkin who's getting shouted at by his mum. Yeah. I'm trying to remember that the endings when they, where they, are, they come to the, the show. Eh? Aye, because that's, like, that's part of the ransom. It's Aye. like... Because he described himself as the king, he's going to show up, he's going to get led on stage, he's going to do his stand-up, and then he's going to take them to Jerry. And it, it's funny, because it, like, it, it works out for him. Yeah. Like, he gets to go on and do it. Like, when you're watching, you're just waiting for the fucking the FBI just to pounce on him. And they have him in the room. And they're sitting teasing him, and he's saying shit. Like, is it right? Is it okay, anything you say now is for, like, you're under oath, you're going to be under arrest, remember, whatever you say will be used against you in court. He's like, okay, I could really be doing with getting my makeup done right now. It's like, makeup. And he's saying to the other fucking police goons, like, you're going to do his makeup? He's like, yeah, I'll do his makeup. He's like, no, no, I need the makeup artist. And they're all, they kind of do shit because he has Jerry held hostage. Yeah. But at first, when he walks out on stage, like, and they're reading the lines, like, the, the guy was talking about how his writing staff was shot and killed in Central Park, and all of them was laughing. And the guy's a wee bit hurt because he thought, like, behind the scenes, like, this shit's not funny. He said, no, it's kind of funny. Just go with it, just go with it. Like, why are we going with it? Where's Jerry? Nobody understands because they, like, they kept it that hush-hush. That, fucking, he's gone, he's kidnapped. But it's when he goes out and it just cuts away. He's like, oh, we don't get to see the routine. But it, it's no until he gets into the bar and goes to the bar where Rita is because, of course, she wants fuck all to do with him. He's, Aye. after the guest house incident, like, he's shit in her book. Yeah. She doesn't want to see this boy. And it's when he just runs in, turns the channel over, and he goes on. And it cuts a, a good five-minute clip of it, the full routine. Like he talks about his childhood, all the abuse, his parents didn't have enough money to afford him a childhood. Yeah. And there's old jokes about New Jersey and that he's gotta go get fucking if he didn't have enough money he'd get sent to some other city. And the crowd loved it. And the fact that uh, his sister got mere attention for the dad, like she would go play catch. But things worked out. She's turned into a beautiful man now and like just all this shit, all the fucking dug it up. Fucking all the ate it up, sorry. And it was, it was actually quite, like, a funny wee say. And nobody could believe it. Like, Rita's face was like, you've just done stand-up on The Tonight Show. You've, like, you did it. And he is proud as punch. He's standing on the bar, leaning on the telly set in the exact same suit and doing this. The fucking yokels at the bar is like, he is on TV, but... He's there at the same time. Like, this boy can't understand that like, he's in two places at once. <laughs> and the fucking, like, he's, it's like he's done his obligations, the, the FBI. He's went, they've let him get his piece. He's impressed Rita. He's went down to Cheerio top. The, he's bought up there a drink. And he's left. And I like how the fucking FBI guy's getting him shit. Where it's like, who wrote those jokes? He's like, I wrote my stuff. It's more material. Like, you should be arrested alone for that material. I was like, you didn't like my stuff? He's like, no. I think your writer should be locked up as well. He's like, well, funny thing about that. He's like, ah, oh, he should be ten out and shot. And there, as he goes to prison, but it's, it's, it's like a 
like the fucking the only way I could say it, and it, it, it's trending almost like the, after the fact that they realise fucking Jerry was fucking kidnapped for this. That boy was right, and he just becomes like an over the night sensation. Yeah. But has to go to prison do his time. It's made like a it was like a book deal he got for like a million dollars, and then of course as soon as he's released from prison, like the stand up special, all cunts been waiting for. And it's just like, you just stand in there just basking in the glory, like, and he's milking it. Like, there's like, eh, fucking like Rupert Buckin. And he's just like, like, waving his hands a wee bit, like, I want a wee bit more, but I want a louder clap for the crowd. And it's just this forced, like, this canned laughter uh. over and over and over, and it just cuts. It is, it's a fucking brilliant film. Like, honestly, there's not a bad part to this movie. And, and I'm just so happy it got, like, it worked out for him in the end. Like, you saw the persistence in this boy. Yeah. And he had that fucking brilliant joke at the start where he's talking to Jerry and Jerry's about to leave. He's like, wait a second, Jerry, I want to show you my pride and joy. And he shows him a picture and that's all the, like, the domestic cleaning products, pride and joy. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry's like, that's clever. He's like, you can keep that. That's from me, from me to you. And the fucking trivia notes was saying like that slayed on audiences back in the day because that was like your fucking personal and dad's that, that was the big cleaning products. Like uh. nowadays they're not cleaning products in America, so they say that joke's falling aside, but it, it's pretty obvious what uh. it is. Uh one other scenes I really fucking liked. And it's just the strange like just a tiny little gag where Jerry's tied to the seat and he's needing to get his reading glasses on. And fucking Rupert goes over and he's raking through his pockets and he finds like sweets. And it's like, I think it's like, whole oh, those like throat sweets. Uh. He's like, Jerry, are these yours? I'm like, yeah. Do you mind if I have one, Jerry? Could I have one? Marsha, would you like one? And she's like, save it for me. He's like, I don't, but would you like one now? I was like, no, this is inappropriate. I mean, we're holding a man hostage and you're asking if I want a sweet. He's like, yeah, Jerry, okay, I'm going to save this for later, Jerry. Thank you. In his pocket, he puts, tucks the sweets back in his pocket. But it's just, like, you've kidnapped the guy, you've tied him to a fucking chair, and you're asking for his permission if you could have a sweet apple. <laughs> it's just like, it's like he's got the mind of a child, almost. He does come across off his sheltered. Ah. But, um, you got any questions about it? I feel like uh, maybe... I think we've covered that most is... of it, because obviously I've only, I only watched it once, and that was in the summer last year. Aye. And I thought it was, I thought it was a, a very different Scorsese film, mm-hmm. and it was a bit more light-hearted. Aye, it was. I suppose you could say it was kind of like a dark comedy a wee bit. Aye, because, like the like, with the like the matter involved in it. Exactly, fucking kidnapping a celebrity, you know, holding them hostage. But like when when it clicked for me, like when he was like hearing the like like hallucinations and like, like hearing the conversations. That's when I started to like really enjoy it a bit more. Ah, it's genius, it? it is, and it's so well thought out. Because I'm um, like, I was like when he has the think of it has been has the first one, and then he goes to his office, mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, he's like, I don't spoke to you, and I'm like, oh fuck, ah, he's fucking thinking of that. Exactly, and is he's he's that he was that cocksure of it, like his the success, yeah. but it was just nobody was letting him get to Jerry to do it to convince him. Nobody had time for him. So, what will make him listen? Fine, I'll kidnap him, hold him at gunpoint. Yeah. And it pays off. It's like, 
almost you wanted to believe like it was based on a true story, but yeah, it's not. But it's it's so entertaining, and I mean, do we cry at an underrated film? Like I suppose it's ah, it's probably underrated, like underappreciated. Because I I don't think it got any like I, I any nominations or nothing. Eh? I don't think it did. But I mean, the the two films we're talking about today is the they're like, the lesser known ones. Exactly, like King of Comedy is known in some sense, but After Hours is obscure as fuck. Uh, I would say on a scale. Uh, but I reckon if we would say like if After Hours is maybe underrated, but I feel that might be maybe classed as obscure. Like, yeah, it's not a household name. Uh, I couldn't tell you who's in it, but King of Comedy kind of I think maybe just because it's Robert, Robert De, Niro. De Niro and Jerry Lewis. Yeah. That's gonna be a little bit more known, but is in comparison to what he's known for, uh, I guess yeah, obscure is probably the best way to yeah. describe it. But it's it's a a hidden gem in his collection, and uh. it's a crime that is not. I don't think it's got Blu-ray. I don't think it's it's nah. nobody's racing to to release it. Yeah, but it's it's one of these things. And talking about uh, rewatchability, sort of my last note here. If it was on telly, like that's it, that's going on. Uh, <laughs> like the channel's getting switched over. It's the same thing with Cape Fear. If I ever see that on telly, uh, forget what else is on. Our plans are made. Yeah. <laughs> but fuck, I this is is easily my favorite Martin Scorsese films, just because it is so fucking different to the catalogue. Yeah. Because that's it. Yo, everyone could just associate him with crime gangsters, things like that, but to see him do this fucking weird film. Yeah. Um, was the box office and budget, was that reasonable or was I, that a bit yeah, like underperformer? Oh, definitely underperformer. Uh, uh, budget uh, cost 19 million to make. 19? 19. 19. I suppose Bob De Niro is probably like one of the probably bigger talents at that time and I'm assuming Jedi Lewis wasn't cheap either aye that's what I'm thinking uh, because they never went out their way to do glorious sets I mean nah. you had your, your fucking studio set for the Tonight Show you had maybe his guest house then you had the fucking apartment that he was fucking held hostage in uh, so uh, I get what I really do love about I think watching 80s films is just getting to see things like uh, New York in the 80s you know the yellow cabs the fucking the reek it, it makes me think of like coming to America watching uh, things like just seeing those giant cities in the 80s how it, it doesn't look like over polluted with giant fucking plasma screens and advertising uh, there's just something about I think if I'm thinking it's like a nostalgia thing of just uh, so it kind of reminds you of like fucking like Ghostbusters as well aye exactly aye there's just something about that that just makes a film better. Just seeing all uh, those shots sort of spliced in with it, just sort of... and because it's, it probably was filmed on location as well. Mm-hmm. That's probably why it wasn't that expensive either. Aye, but um, nineteen million, and they've only got figures, a uh, domestic figure for its box office. Um, do do you dare hazard a guess? I didn't think it made back what. So under nineteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
How under? I reckon it probably made about five mil. Got that in half. What? Two only two and a half mil. Two point five million dollars. Wow. Two point five. Cost nineteen. <sighs> I mean, we were talking about how um, Mean Streets made him like a whole wad of cash. Yeah. Like, he made millions after that. This is the opposite. Because yeah. we were saying, fuck, you'll be getting keys to the kingdom if he's making films like that. This is it. They'll be like, right, taking the keys off you, Marty. Nope, nope. <laughs> Go back to gangland. Aye. <laughs> Get some. No more comedies for you. Slapping the wrists. Oh, I suppose because he never really made any. any he's not actually made a comedy since, is he? Well, no, nah, because he's done after hours. Mm. But it's, it's kind of comedy. It's kind of not. Aye, well, that's. I think there's not a straight out. It's not like he's making a Meet the Fockers style Aye. comedy, but his films can have Aye. comedy mixed in with it or, or humorous situations. Yeah. Um, trivia for this one: Robert De Niro used anti-Semitic remarks uh, to anger Jerry Lewis whilst they were filming scenes where Rupert Pupkin is more or less when he showed up at the country home. Before the camera was rolling, he just got <laughs> cried a whole shower of him's off camera. So, uh, and right enough, Jerry is fucking fuming in that scene. His arms across his face is red. And he's uh, and right enough. I guess that's one way to fucking set the scene if you go fucking daft at him off camera. But Lewis says he'd never worked with method actors before, and he was actually shocked and appalled. <laughs> and he said that the. The delivery, the performance you saw then was how he was acting on set. Like how oh, so it was genuine then. He was like that pissed to uh. be there and to have them filming, but fucking De Niro was pushing his buttons to get him that uh. far, so uh one star reviews out of the seventy four on Amazon, there was two. Uh but the one I chose is from Music Man. He writes Sorry, but I thought this was uh, De Niro's worst film. It was. It has every hallmark of brash American humour. The way every statement is repeated many times, the way nonsensical happenings happen, it just seems as if he was a subnormal in this film. That sense doesn't make sense. Huh. Uh, in other films, I really appreciate his acting, but I think this is very anti-De Niro, uh, he is a much better actor than this film portrays. Has he seen De Niro in that Rocky and Bullwinkle film? <laughs> uh, maybe not. But I mean, <sighs> isn't it not good to get an anti-De Niro film every once in a while? Just to see that, isn't he just the fucking guy in the Dirty gangster Grandpa. Films? Dirty Grandpa, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a very different film for what people... Recognise it normally, yeah. but I this boy didn't like it. I didn't uh, get understood. I didn't. I didn't get understood it. Like yeah. I didn't get if he thought Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, fucking yes please, and yeah. then you're just like, this is too weird. I guess maybe that is it. Maybe it could be too weird for folk. Yeah, but I think he's a bit narrow minded. Aye. Aye. Okay, my <clears throat> take the reins. I, um, as I said, they go a wee bit off on my choice this week, and I went with After Hours. Mm-hmm. 
a film that I've never seen. Nope. I'd only ever seen the trailer last week as well. Oh, okay. Uh, so where is my notes? I think I did the same, I think. In preparation for the, this week, I had a wee look at the trailer. And I was like, oh, this is near the, the, the pool movie with Tom Cruise. <laughs> I got it mixed up with The Colour of Money. Ah, right, were you? I had a wee thought, I was like, shit, I wonder if this is what Mike actually knew he was getting himself into. <sighs> when the fuck is Tom Cruise going to show up in this film? Uh, so, After Hours came 1985, directed mm-hmm. by Yustrilli. Uh, <laughs> that, that makes it sound like it's you doing it. Did it nah, right, yours right, truly? Right, right, you know what I mean. Uh, Magic Mike <laughs> went back in time. <laughs> I wasn't even born then. You exactly. were born then, I, I couldn't help you. I was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got Griffin Dunn, who plays Paul Hackett, mm-hmm. uh, Rosanna Arquette as Marcy, Tommy Chong as Pepe, oh, Pepe. John Heard as Tom the Bartender, Linda Fiorentina as Kiki. Mm-hmm. And we've got Cheech Marin as Keith. So we've got both Cheech and Chong in there. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yes. Um, the plot of said film is a word processor has literally the worst night of his life. From basically, he met a girl in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. She invites him over at like half 11 at night. Who invites people over at half eleven at night? Ah. And it's just like a series, it's a series of escapades that you you could not fucking write how drastically wrong everything goes in this film. Aye. Yeah. Like, if everything was going to go wrong that night, this was the night that it happens. Oh, shit. I mean, it almost sounds like it's a, like a retro hangover movie. If, if you actually got to see what happened on the night. Yeah. So, uh, was it a good film, Mike? I um, I actually thought it was quite good. Mm. Um, I've, I, I probably say I preferred this to Mean Streets. Yeah. Like I, thought, like, I thought Mean okay. Streets was quite good, but mm-hmm. I think I quite liked the weird, like, obscure, like, offbeat like, a, tempo in this film. A fucking contrast to what we're normally ah, And once to. again, it was filmed in New York. Ah, right. Aye. Cool. Um, so was it like sort of like your same Times Square setup where they're always kind of walk shots of them going around there or? Aye. So mm-hmm. like um, they go to is it Soho or something? Right. I don't know and where about in New York that is, but yeah. um, it's, not, it's no place in London either. Mm-hmm. But um, I you get like all the usual bits where he's in like Times Square and they've got all the big flash screens and billboards. Like, you always aye. see you always see like, like the GBC fucking billboard and mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the like the cat. The cast is fucking really good as well. Right, like the, John, like John fucking Heard. John Heard. Aye. Like even the what's what's her name's in it? Even the mum for Home Alone's in it. Ah. She's like shows up maybe towards the end of the film. Mm-hmm. She was like a weird ice cream truck, like ice cream <laughs> truck driver. Right. Um, but I, I was uh, quite quite impressed with the film. Like. Mm-hmm. The main dude looks familiar. He was the one that got mauled by the werewolf and America Werewolf in London. I, Jack. Yeah. And it was... Um, it's, it's funny to describe it as a fucking word processor. Like, that was the job for somebody back in the day. Because uh, I mind watching the trailer and it was just shots of him sitting reading a book in a cafe. Yeah. And just... So, for the escalations, is the girl the... 
the issue is, is she the one that fucking leads them astray and into all these fucking situations? Well, no really. No really. There's a, like a, a whole fucking load of shit goes down. Right. And all that. So, basically, he's in, he's in the coffee shop after he's like, working at. Mm-hmm. And she ends up talking to him about paperweights, which her friends, like, like this famous, like, fucking, like, local artist, a sculptor. Okay. So he wants to buy a paperweight. So she gives him his number to phone to then go pick him up. Mm-hmm. So half eleven at night, he decides, fuck it, I'm going to get a cab. Mm-hmm. In the cab, and, like, it's, it's, one of, it's like, one of the scenes of the film that you have to watch because the fucking, the, the cab driver's, like, really erratic. Right. And he's just, like, fucking, like, swerving about and the guy's like getting his money out his wallet mm-hmm. and the window's blown because he's fucking like gone at it he's fucking all his notes go out the window fuck and he's like trying to say to the driver he's like look my money's fucking went out the window so then cab pulls up and he gets outside and he's like look I've tried to tell you that when you were driving erratic there my money went out the cab mm-hmm. and the look is fucking horror by the driver <laughs> And he's like, got his mouth shut, and he's just looking, his eyes are going bigger, and all that. Aye. And he just thought, fuck it, I'm just going to drive away. Aye. Oh, imagine if you had, uh, like, Peter Boyle. Uh, like, just fucking recalling his character for Taxi Driver. Yeah. Like that. Obviously, you'll not expect fucking Travis Bickle to be behind the wheel, but. Yeah. It would have been funny to just see fucking Frank for everybody like Raymond. Like, but, but like, the scene really, really driving the car, but it's like it's all sped up. I like the type of music playing because it's just it's just shifting between traffic like really really quick. Yeah. Aye. And uh, so he goes, gets to the house, like rings the buzzer. And this lassie appears at the top of the wee like balcony or something, drops the keys down to let like, let him in for the outside. Turns out she's a sculptor. Right. Aye. That the same question. So. The last turns up and they start talking away and they're in this usual like conversation and they decide to go out for a, a coffee mm-hmm. and they didn't even drink the coffee. Right. And then she starts talking about how she's married mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, alright. And she seems quite young and she's quite naive and all that and he's like, alright, oh, that's fine. And because he takes a phone call when she's in the shower. Right. At the house and there's a person called Franklin. Right. And um, it turns out Franklin's her husband or whatever his name is. And she starts babbling on about how the guy's like obsessed with like Wizard of Oz. Okay. And, uh, and she then proceeds to tell him that when he's busy like shooting his load, mm-hmm. he... Uh, Decides to scream, surrender to me, Dorothy. Oh, okay. I know, and it, like the look user is quite fucking thingy. So then, as he fires it across her yellow brick road. Yeah. So then. Oh, you didn't even bite. I was, uh, just, waiting. I was, just, I was just waiting for a bite. Like, no, fucking no, just not today. Just covered her munchkins. Nah, I'm, okay, I'm no. I was expecting him to say, fly, my prayer is fly. Ah, that's, that's one. Nah, nah. Nah. Just imagine, I'm melting, I'm melting, yeah, uh, spunk, uh, yeah. 
Um, <coughs> and we've worth it. We've killed worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> um, so then they hear like a, like a wee argument and, that, and he decides, right, fuck it. I'm going to go him. Goes to train station realising he's got any money. Mm-hmm. Part for like less than a dollar. Right. And he's trying to get on the last train that takes him to wherever he's staying. But the train fares have went up. Okay. By like an extra 50 pence. And he's like, he's fucking, he's adamant that he's going to give his guy like the 97 or 95 pence, whatever he's got. And he's like, look, he's like, I kind of let you on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, right, fuck it. So he gets fucking outside and it's absolutely torrential fucking rain. <laughs> and it's like really bad torrential rain. So then goes into a bar and there is <clears throat> a couple dancing. So there's a waitress there. Her name is... Julie, and mm-hmm. she is fucking loopy. Right, okay. Um, And he's like, look, I'm just going to sit down. He goes, I've got no money, so I'm not really going to order any. He goes, but can I just sit down? So he sits down, and uh, then goes to the bar, and it turns out that the barman's having like a really shit night, because apparently there's been like seven burglaries or something right. in, in his street in the last week. Mm-hmm. And he can't remember if he's like set the burglar alarm to us. Ah, right, right. So he gives him the keys, sends him away, and uh, gets to the house to check if everything's fine. And um, then he's on his way out, and everybody thinks he's a burglar. Mm-hmm. So things are obviously a bit fucking, a bit like pernickety. Aye, aye. So in a month that he's like dodging fucking everybody, he then happens to see these two fucking really greasy, dirty looking cunts mm-hmm. like running with one of the, one of like the sculptors. Aye. He thought, ah fuck. So he runs and chases after him. It's obviously Cheech and Chong. Right. So they're carrying a TV and they're carrying a sculptor. Mm-hmm. And uh, they drop the telly and they drop the sculptor. So he picks it up and like a fucking fireman to carry. Mm-hmm. Rings the doorbell, but then the lassie, the lassie Kiki comes to the top of the balcony with like like tape on in their mouth and like she's like getting like taped up and shit. Aye, aye. Drops the keys to him and carries the fucking sculptor upstairs. But he he doesn't get the question why she dropped the keys to him to when he goes upstairs and she's like tied to a fucking a pole in like the apartment. Aye, how did she get to the windy? Aye. Alright. So, uh, she's sitting, like, tied to the apartment, uh, tied to the pole and shit, and then this guy comes out nowhere, and it's fucking Will Patton. Ah, right. And I'm like a fucking, like, gimp outfit almost, <laughs> out of the mask. And, like, there's some really fucking unusual people in this film, like. Ah, it seems like there's a lot of fucking characters in it. Aye. Uh, um, and Auckland's got a story. Aye, like, let me, let, let's wait, like, there's loads of wee fucking twists and turns and all that. Aye. Eh? Like, as, a, as a scene where he goes to a nightclub, and he can't get in the nightclub because he's not got a mohawk. 
Fuck's sake. So then they drag him into the nightclub to try and give him a mohawk. Alright. Oh, <laughs> One and of it, us. And it's fucking oh mental and there's a obviously another a, a Martin Scorsese cameo as well in oh, that scene where he's um standing above at the top of you know, you're in like nightclub and you've got the wee lights and that. Yeah. He's like holding one of them, like shining on people. Aye. Ah. I don't really quite call that one. Aye. But, um, there's a lot of fucking. No, did you get a fit? What was. I can't mind if you told me what your favourite scene was already. I'm not really sure if I've got like a favourite scene because there's, there's loads of fucking shit happening in this film, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the most interesting bits of the film is when he. Finally gets back to giving the keys back to Tom, mm-hmm. and uh, the phone goes, and um, he's like taking the phone call, and then he breaks down, and um, pulls it little shrank goes, "Oh, uh, I've just found out my uh, my girlfriend killed herself." Jesus Christ! Aye, <laughs> and his girlfriend's name is Marcy. Right. Marcy was the lassie that. Was in fucking. Was in the house with him. Aye. There's fucking a lot that's happening in this film. Aye. There's like so many like wee twists and turns and that end. There's Aye. A, there's a scene near the end where he's trying to get away from the lunch mob because they think he's a burglar because they're putting up like burglar signs all around like the neighbourhood and shit. Aye. Um, he ends up talking to a woman at the bar who. Think in the cast, she was actually billed third, like the hear like the first cast member name, then the second. Mm-hmm. She's billed third, but right. she doesn't appear in the form to the last ten minutes. Ah, um, it's a big name. No, for me it's no. Um, Verna Bloom. Nah, Disney. Yeah, she got like third, like third highest billing. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in Animal House. She was in The Last Temptation of Christ. There you go. Um, but uh, she um, plays like another like local artist, sculptor. Mm-hmm. So then while uh, Paul goes to run away, he pulls on like a lever and mm-hmm. it's like, I think if it's like plaster or something, falls on him. Aye. And then she um, ends up Basically, turn them into like paper mache. Right. <laughs> and I just like couldn't get away from the lunch mob. Aye, aye. Uh, that just seems like it's quite like a, a comedy. Aye, it's, it's, it's not like a. I was going to say not a, 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 a ha ha comedy, but just a lot of comical situations. Aye. Just because of the like everything that's kind of gone wrong. Eh? Aye. It's just. Uh, You're laughing at this poor cunt's luck. Aye. It's the fact that fucking that like she's like, the last season that she's married, but she's gone to another guy, mm-hmm. and happens to be the guy that he goes to the bar with. Aye. So it's kind of, I suppose it's kind of a bit a different Scorsese film as well. Aye, I wonder what the fuck. I wonder. I was gonna say yeah, this all comes into who the fuck wrote it, but it seems like it that he can. It'd be interesting if it was based on something. It was like based on a novel or like a, uh, a fucking play because the way it's. I since, couldn't, uh, couldn't see any of the notes or nothing. Eh? Anything major, aye. 
But, so, um, how did it end? Um, so basically when he's like, like dressed like the fucking sculptor and all that, yeah. he's been left in the basement of the nightclub. Mm-hmm. And there's like a fucking, I, I think how they get in, but uh, Pepe and Neil Aye. get in <laughs> and uh, think, oh fuck, there's another one of these sculptures, let's fucking go, quiz in boys. Eh? Aye. Picks them up and they put him in the cut and put him in the back of the van, and he's fucking flying around. And then all of a sudden, like because the back doors are kept open, he like flies at the back of the Aye. the thing, and he's all like kind of broken. So it's like like paper mache, so it's kind of like dust and a like covered in dust. But he ends up landing next to like his office building. Like just as it's ready to open. Aye. So it's pretty much like head like this. It's like a, it's like a fucking proper like uh, slapstick. Just uh, like just his fucking luck goes in just in time for work the next day. Aye, because like he's obviously he's wanting to get him. He's tired and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's like when he goes when he gets him, he goes to the house of that Julie. She's like, oh, I'm gonna give you a treat. Aye. And Annie's like, no, 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 I'm not one, nothing like that. And she brings out this fucking like paperweight that's been made by these sculptures, and he's like, get out of the fuck away from me. <laughs> and she's like, she's like really like besotted on him. Aye. And uh, he's kind of like, no, no bored about her sort of thing. Eh? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I just want to get the fuck him, get some sleep, and go to my work. Aye. So, um, rewatchability. Uh, well, I was going to say, if it's ever on. Ah, it's in like, you know, it might, maybe like a fucking midnight on BBC Two on a fucking Sunday. Ah, uh, uh, it's like a fuck, I, like I say, I think it's like a, a really lesser known film. Aye. Considering, I like I was saying, like I didn't hear like a UK DVD release or mm-hmm. nothing, so I think if any, if you had it on video... You were probably one of the lucky ones. Aye, because that's it. I mean, depending, like, what is the fucking selling point? I mean, you could either go by the Martin Scorsese's name. Like, that's... I was looking through like, all these, like, box sets, and all the box sets that it's got out doesn't have this in it. I wonder if it just comes to the distribution, if there was just... Uh. Either there's no one interested in it, because, right, it's the guy from American Werewolf in London yeah but ah, it's weird it's just one of those ones that's fallen through the cracks because at least The Colour of Money has got uh, Paul Newman and Tom Cruise in it ah. so it's got names but uh, that one you have you've got like was it Patricia Arquette um no is it Rosanna or something oh, right. like one of the ones like her and fucking Cheech and Chong ah, so it's so, no really massive names aye aye um but uh, fucking count your stars on Xbox for. I know just because I couldn't fucking couldn't get it, eh? and I think if you go, I think if you go on YouTube on your phone, oh, and you yeah. type in it gives you the price. Yeah. But if you do it on the app on the Xbox, it doesn't doesn't do anything like that. So then you can if you can buy something. So then oh, I tried, um, I tried like TV on demand, and I was looking through like. Like the Sky Cinema stuff and like, um, like whatever it is they use on TiVo and that. Mm-hmm. I could have found a hood. And then I just went to all the Xbox, had a look, and I was 
kind of surprised that they had it. Aye. Otherwise, I probably would have been struggling. Aye, definitely. Because that was it. I mind texted you a couple of days before it, just kind of warning you, like, have you looked for it yet? Because I'm like, oh, I think it might be a hard one to find. Uh. Well, that's it. If it comes to streaming, it just depends if some cunt is actually is hosting it. And uh. that means if they had, okay, it's on DVD in America, but just whether it's fucking appearing here or not. So, would you like to share some, I don't know, trivia? Aye, where is it? Aye, first one was um, Scorsese told Griffin Dunn to refrain from shagging and sleeping to give the just like a realistic paranoia feeling about the guy. Fair enough. Because obviously, as the fog kind of goes in, he kind of gets a bit paranoid about people being after him and like nobody able to sleep and shit. Aye, aye. Um. Cameos, obviously. Scorsese has seen shining uh, a floodlight on the club in the film. Mm-hmm. And... Did his mum show up? His mum and dad show up. Oh. And there's a scene in the... The scene where they go for coffee, I was saying. Yeah. There's an old couple in one of the corners of one of the shots. Mm-hmm. And that's um, Scorsese's mum and dad. Uh, you got the... Uh, aye, budget uh, and box office? Just domestic again, obviously. Okay. Uh, budget, it was. It cost four and a half million to make. Alright, that's a, more reserved than what he was splashing out on King of Comedy. Ah, I suppose it wasn't like really big, big name talent, eh? Exactly. So. Um, any suggestions on the box office? Three million. Nope. Well, did it make its money back? Oh, aye, it made its money back. All right. I feel 10's pushing it. It made 10.6 million. Not too bad a return. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the other interesting fact was on the opening weekend, it only made 45 grand. Aye. Mm. Weird. What if it just kind of went on a word of mouth then? Yeah. Because I, I, I think it's, it just depends. I was going to say, it's rare that... Oh, nowadays the opening weekend is the bit, and then it's just downhill for there on. Uh, for that, since like if it's a down one week, and then unless it was like selective theatres, and then got nationwide after it, uh, that could have been how it happened. Uh, Next time on films and swearing, we are stepping forward into the nineties. Ah, uh, it's a fucking, it's a big, big episode next week. All right, um. I am going to go with Cape Fear from, I think it's 1991, yeah. possibly. Um, I'll have it correct by next week. Mike, what are you going to try? I was going to do Bringing Out the Dead, yeah. but I don't think I'll be able to source that as well. Aye, aye. But because I've already got the remaster of Goodfellas, I'll just stick with that. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, Cape Fear and Goodfellas... You can look forward to that. Our website, filmsofswearing.com. Links on there. You can get to our, uh, well, you get to Amazon. So if you visit us first, then use our Amazon link and get a little kickback in the shopping. FAS Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shout out to Patreon subscribers, Stu, Kenny, and Carol, David Lopan for our new theme music. 
Paul Loudon for the artwork, and you, the listener, for tuning in. Fuck off and tune in next week. Uh. That's how you end the fucking show.